inspire, educate, connect. This is Yoga Digest, a vibrant community of passionate change makers. Hello, everyone. Thank you for being here. I'm Kim Bauman, founder of the One Love Movement, a nonprofit dedicated to serving kids in need. I am so incredibly honored to bring you One Love Heroes, a podcast show about ordinary people with extraordinary stories. We'll bring you true stories of love, hope, and courage from around the world, some from people you already know and others from people you'll want to know. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to episode number one, where I am over the moon to have Catherine Budig as my very first guest on One Love Heroes. Catherine is an internationally celebrated yoga teacher, best-selling author, speaker, and a sponsored Under Armour athlete. Most importantly, she is a hero for self-acceptance and authenticity. I love Catherine so much because she was accessible. She gave me the time of day when I first met her. It was summer 2014, and I was stalking her, literally, at the Yoga Journal Conference in San Diego. I waited outside her classroom, and when she opened the door, I literally pounced on her. I professed my love for her as my yoga crush, gave her my elevator speech about my nonprofit, the One Love Movement, and asked if she would teach at our annual charity yoga event. Catherine was so incredibly gracious. She was set to get married around the time of my event, so she declined, and in the same breath offered to do a social media post to help promote our cause. I was incredibly humbled by her thoughtfulness and enchanted by how human she was, and I knew that this was just the beginning. I also learned that we shared a common thread. I was adopted from Korea, just like Catherine's niece and nephew. And now, without further ado, our hero of authenticity, Catherine Budig. Hello, Catherine. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Kim. (laughs) It's such an honor, and I'm so excited for your grace and your presence to be in our podcast show. Thank you. I'm I'm proud of you. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) You go. I'm proud of you with all of your many, many accomplishments. This is so awesome that you're adding to this. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I wanted to start by asking you about your childhood. Uh, in your Aim True book, you had said something that was really brought back a lot of feelings of nostalgia for myself. You had commented that when you're growing up, you were able to freely roam as you please as long as you were home by dinner. And I grew up that same way as well. We could just leave the house whenever we felt like it as long as we were home by dinner and our parents would never worry. And so how did this upbringing shape your mind as an adult? Oh, well, I mean, easily it just gave me permission to be wildly creative mm-hmm. where, you know, in this day and age, you you see iPads propped up in front of kids all the time to entertain them. So and not to knock that. I mean, if I had kids, I could fully understand why I would want to exactly. be doing that. Um, but, you know, we didn't have those kind of tools when we were little. And so what did parents do to entertain us? They're like, go entertain yourselves. And and so we had this ability to self, self-soothe and take care of ourselves and open our imagination and and just a lot of really phenomenal tools to becoming open-minded adults. And especially living in Kansas, we had a ton of land and it was just a 
I mean, not a safer place, I guess, kind of, you know, just to be off on my own is that's created so many of my stories and ideas. And I didn't realize that at the time, but that gave me permission as a writer that I am now to expand my, my horizon and my storylines and, and create something really magical for myself and hopefully my readers as well. I love it. And so describe an event or a person who shaped your childhood and how does that play into you as an adult? Um, you know, funny enough, I actually have this crazy memory when I was in Kansas about, I mean, it was basically this rabid dog. There was this dog that got loose on campus that was totally terrorizing people. And I have a memory of literally being run up a tree by a dog. I had to climb a tree to get away from this dog. It was this black and white scruffy dog. And I remember climbing it and it being down there barking at me wildly and being absolutely terrified. And for the longest time, you know, I, once the dog went away, I would, you know, be afraid to be by myself outside and, and got a little kind of gun shy around dogs, which is so funny because now I, I have two dogs and I do a lot of work and fundraising to support charities that work with dogs. And it was just such an interesting part of my childhood that that could have really messed me up. That could have completely shifted my outlook on that is so near and dear to my heart. And it also taught me how to, you know, toughen up. And even though you're terrified of something that you have to process and you have to move on and you can't just have your mommy pick you up for the rest of your life (laughs) and carry you around, which at that point in my life, I kind of wanted her to just, you know, make me a a backpack and put me in it and carry me around all the time. Um, Yeah. I don't know why that one just came to me today, but that's the story that I got for you right now. (laughs) Would you say that that's where your tomboy nature came out? Definitely. Um, it's definitely when I learned how to toughen up because, you know, my, my parents obviously were concerned for me, but they're also like, look, like you have to keep living your life. You can't just break down because there's this one dog that made you run up a tree. And that was definitely, I was always outside in the dirt. I also a lot of, a lot of sports when I was younger, but, um, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe that made me tougher than I realized in retrospect. (laughs) Now that I'm thinking about it. And how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have one brother and one sister. Okay. They I was the oops baby. My mother had them when she was in her early twenties and she had me when she was thirty nine. So she initially thought it was menopause, but it was me. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so my brother and sister are basically like a second set of parents. But my, my sister, especially in the past couple of years, we've you know, she finally sees me as a friend and not her little Pip squeak sister. <laughs> oh, I love that you were the mistake. That's so great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a very good mistake. Happy oops. Happy oops. <laughs> oh. So I was adopted from Korea as well, just like your niece and nephew. Hmm. And I wanted to inquire with you, uh, what are their ages? And just tell me a little bit about what it's like having them and what have they taught you from growing up? Because they're probably or where do they live actually? Are, are you, do you see them quite often? They live in Chicago. Okay. I don't see them as much as I would like to. I probably see them two to three times a year mm-hmm. right now. And they are, gosh, um, I want to say they're seven and nine now. So, you know, they are at those ages where every time I see them that they've progressed so much. So it's just these little, you know, weeds that are, um, <laughs> 
And Georgia, she's the youngest. She is just the strongest little girl I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, she can scale the refrigerator if she wants to. And she's doing gymnastics and, and she can, she's going to be able to handstand better than me in probably a year. You know, she's just this unbelievable little firecracker. And then AJ, her son is this really quiet, um, very thoughtful, very smart, but he's a huge man of Taylor Swift. So once you start talking about Taylor Swift, oh my gosh, he like starts getting saucy with me and pulls his little diva side out. It's, <laughs> they're so adorable, but, um, that's hilarious. You, you know, they're, they're magical. My, I, my sister originally tried to conceive on her own and then she, you know, they went through in vitro a couple times and they're like, we want a family. And since they couldn't do it that way, they decided to adopt. And, um, you know, AJ, they adopted first and then decided that they wanted to get a second child. And, and, you know, I think there's, there's the moments of, I'm not sure if confusion is the right word, but with adoption, you know, I mean, they're family. They, I think they even look like my brother and sister, which is, Hysterical because, I mean, my brother and sister are very white, right. <laughs> but they, I can see, you know, their personality and the, and the way they crinkle their eyes and move their mouth, like looks like my sister and her husband. But, you know, I mean, they have had a few moments of, um, you know, like, oh, are you like fully my parents, you know, because once they are starting to put everything together and I can't right. even imagine what that must be like. But, um, you know, my, my sister, she's a phenomenal mother and he's a great dad and they're wonderful kids and, and I just respect them so much. And, and it's such a phenomenal family. And we're so excited to go back when they get older, go back to Korea as a family. And, and, you know, they really embrace their culture. They, I mean, AJ, his middle name is Jin, very traditional Korean name, Alexander Jin. And then, uh, Georgia, they, they just, they wanted to keep tradition but give them permission when they get older like to use what they want to use like what feels right to them what is going to make sense to them as young adults so I, I like that they give them permission to be like you're from Chicago but this is also your heritage and we want you to understand it so it's not you're not losing your roots that's amazing what age do you think that will be when you guys make that trip probably soon you know because they're they're still tiny humans but they're very smart little humans <laughs> um I'm, I've never been, so I'm dying to go. And I'm hoping maybe in the next year or two will be the first time we make a trip over. That is uh, so amazing. <laughs> I'm actually researching to find the orphanage and the, that I was adopted from in Seoul City. And my, my dream is to uh, volunteer there and, you know, fund a project through One Love. So that's really, that's amazing. Oh, that's going to be fantastic. 2016 was a big year of transition for you, and I want you to know that I I fell in love with you as a person, as someone that I really look up to during your year of transition, because I thought it was so beautiful how you, uh, or at least from social media, of course, but <laughs> how you seem to always carry yourself authentically uh, in the public eye. And uh, I was also going through uh, several different challenging situations personally myself during that same time. And I felt like watching you gave me permission to be more honest with myself and to be more truthful 
with myself as well. Uh, and so I wanted to ask you, what was the moment like when you realized you wanted something different in life? And how did you put one foot in front of the other? And the reason, Catherine, I ask you this is because changing your mind is a real, 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 real thing. We all do it. And whether it's a relationship or a career or you've worked really hard towards this goal and then all of a sudden you realize you might not want it. And that's a really scary moment because it's almost as if we feel if we're in too deep, we have to stay the course because it's too hard to get out, mm-hmm. especially with the unknown. So I just wanted to um, open that for a conversation because I'm so inspired by how you led yourself through that. Well, first of all, it's a very kind compliment and I take that to heart. Thank you so much. Um, it's challenging without a doubt, but I, I think that, you know, we have, like you said, sometimes you feel like you're in so deep that there's no possible way that you can claw yourself out of this hole that you've put yourself into. And that's never the case even when it feels that way. And I I think that it's easy to numb yourself. It's easy to come up with excuses. It's easy to come up with reasons for why you're totally fine. And this is totally working, whether it's in a relationship or a job decision. And that's what a lot of us do. And that's what I had been doing for a while is I just I had reasons why I was totally fine in my marriage. I had reasons why I was totally fine with my career path. And then, you know, little things come up, you meet people or, or you have certain experiences that shake up what your reality is, and forces you to then look at this reality. And that's really what happened to me. And and I started talking to people who I was really close to and asking them, honestly, what do you think of this? And once they started giving me their opinions, it was just that wake up call of like, oh, wow, I have been unhappy. And this is not where I want to live. And and if I continue to do this, I'm just going to become kind of a ghost of myself. And it was just a big wake-up call. You know, deciding to get out of a marriage is massive. Deciding to move on from a career that you've become well-known for and you've worked years and years of your life towards is massive. But it's also, like, do you continue to stay safe? Like, do you continue to stay in a marriage that, you know, is by no means horrible, but was not the right person? Do you stay in a job that's like, you know how to do it really well, but like you feel hungry every day, you feel like you're not satisfying something deep inside of you. So, you know, if you feel that numbness, I feel like that's, that's a good sign that it's time to do something to bring feeling back into your life again. And hopefully you have a support system. Not always. I was very lucky to have a good support system. But it's just you have to come with terms of like, I would rather, you know, not I would rather be alone than be with this person. You know, I would rather, you know, eat ramen for a while than do this job, you know, like whatever it is. But when push comes to shove, realizing this is going to be a hard phase for me, but I am ultimately going to be a much happier human if I can go through these steps to get to the other side. Absolutely. And so you would wake up during this you know, realization. And then what, like, how did you move throughout your day? That's what I'm interested in because oh, that's for me. Put in front of another, right. mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, this all happened in a very busy year of my life. So I think in the beginning, the way I got through it was 
I had no choice. You know, I just, I was doing book tour. I was releasing my second book. It was craziness. I was maybe, you know, getting on a plane every day for consecutive days in a row. There was no time to sit and wallow. You know, there was no time to pull out my violin and compose depressing music. It was go, 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 go. And, and, um, and so that helped for a long time and, and simultaneously with like painful, but I did truly believe I was making the correct decision. And so in your soul, when you know, like this has to be done, that's that extra push to keep putting the foot in front of another, you know, to, to move forward. And, and then eventually, you know, like I've started seeing a therapist who's been really, really amazing because there's just a lot to unpack. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack and so much stuff that I don't even realize that's dwelling underneath the surface. So I'm trying to do that work. Um, I had a really bad shoulder injury that prevented me from doing my yoga practice that prevented me from doing my martial arts, everything that, you know, is my way to burn off that extra steam and, and get grounded and come back to my center. So, you know, the constant challenge of, okay, all of my comfort zones are being taken away from me. And it's just, I also like a challenge. Maybe that's weird, but you know, it, it's, the challenge makes me feel alive and what I was trying to move away from was feeling numb. So ultimately that challenge and discomfort was what kept me moving because it was like, okay, good. Something's crackling. It's not just this shell of myself that's existing every single day, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I love what you said about moving away from feeling numb. I think it's too common that we get lost in the numbness and that's Mm -hmm. a part of that rat race of staying in what's comfortable. Yeah, for sure. When you talked about moving away from a career that you've known into something else, say more about that. What are you, what specifically are you referring to? Well, I've been teaching yoga for 13, 14 years now and it's a phenomenal career. It's also a very different world now than the one that I got into when I first started. And this is my personality type where, you know, you're talking to the woman who as a little girl wanted to be a lawyer, wanted to be a naturalist, wanted to be an Olympian in three different disciplines. Like, you know, I just ping pong balled on all these different things that I wanted to be. And then I got into acting cause I was like, cool, I can be everything if I act. <laughs> um, and then eventually got into teaching and it's, and it's amazing and I love it, but I've reached the point where people are like, okay, well, why don't you open your own studio? Why don't you start your own, you know, series of teacher trainings? And it's just stuff that has never called to me. And at this point, you know, it's start to go in that direction or continue traveling and, and being on the circuit. And I just, I can't, I've been traveling and touring since 2008 and my body can't handle it. My brain can't handle it anymore. It's the students will forever be so remarkable and special to me, but everything that goes into getting to them, I can't handle it anymore. It's just too much. So I've realized that I need to reshape this career because I love teaching, but yoga, as you know, is under this umbrella of wellness. And so I've taken all of my knowledge of wellness and like, what are talents what are what makes me unique what makes me a good yoga teacher and then how can I take those talents that make me a good yoga teacher which means I'm a good speaker which means I'm a good writer that that these are my talents and then expand that still using my wellness background into something that 
is exciting for me, something that's going to open new doors. Cause I just, I can't keep doing exactly what I'm doing right now. And it would be unfair to my students because if I'm not stimulated, I, I, how could I possibly inspire them if I can't inspire myself? And I've been feeling this for a while and I finally woke up to it and I was like, okay, I've got to do something about it. You know, and I don't think it means I'm just going to take a sabbatical and then get back into exactly what I was doing before. Something needs to give, something needs to change. So that's where I'm at right now, where I'm not, I'm by no means just flat out dropping teaching yoga. I'll still be teaching, but I'm going to dramatically shift uh, that approach. Right. You have to find ways to fill yourself up, right? To feed yourself, re-energize you. You know, I do feel though that you're one of those people that I see that, uh, I would compare you, you know, in the movie star world, I'd compare you as to someone like Beyonce. So for example, Beyonce can, she can, she could probably not produce an album for years and we would still want to know about her. And so I feel like you could actually disappear from the yoga world for a while and we would still want to know about you. And I think that's a very special uh, way about you that you've, you know, effortlessly and just authentically been who you are and then people gravitate to what you're doing. Which brings me to ask about your new podcast show coming up. Is that one of the things that you're venturing into? It, it is. It's so I, I'm co-hosting a podcast with Kate Pagan, who is my girlfriend, and it's for ESBMW, and it's called Free Cookies, and it's a podcast on sports, wellness, and pop culture. And we have recorded two episodes. We're about to record our third. We haven't released it yet. We're going to launch probably in April. And it's just really exciting to have a platform where we can share and receive really interesting ideas and try to bring on guests that people think they know. You know, like, oh, this is a famous soccer player and they do soccer or this famous yoga teacher, whatever it is, and then show them a completely different side to the listener, you know, unveil something like, look, I know people never ask you these questions when you're getting interviewed for the umpteenth time. Like, let's talk about what's really interesting to you. Let's get into something different. And, and it's just inspiring to, you know, start to unravel the human condition and, and people that we think we've got all figured out and getting rid of the stereotypes and pulling people out of that box. And it's been phenomenal. And Kate is such a fantastic journalist. So she's great at, you know, weaving these questions together. And, and, and I am not a journalist, but I'm very curious. And so I'm learning a ton from her. And, and it's been really cool blending this world of wellness and sports and pop culture and finding how they all intersect instead of viewing them as completely separate identities. And there's something so great as a listener, seeing the human side of people that you you think you know, but you really only know them from your Instagram or your Facebook feed. So we yeah. look forward to that. Thanks. It's exciting. Yeah, it's very <laughs> exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. So how did you and Kate actually meet then? Um, we've known each other for a while. We, so she works for ESPN and Under Armour is my athletic sponsor. So we originally met a while back at the ESPNW summit because Under Armour was sponsoring it. So I was there teaching and she was there speaking and we just kind of ran in the same circles and see each other from time to time. And, and then eventually a flip switched and she was the most amazing human ever. And, (laughs) 
and, and voila, here we are. <laughs> no big deal, right? <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> what was the switch that flipped? Couldn't tell you. You know, I think it, we, the final time when it switched, I just had never really been given the opportunity to like sit there and she led this phenomenal panel and I was just really taken with how smart she was. She's incredibly, incredibly smart and she maneuvered everything so gracefully. And as someone who's been interviewed a ton of times, I have such a deep respect for someone who can sit there and this is wildly difficult to do someone who can sit there truly listen to what the person is saying and then create the next question totally based off what that person was just talking about as opposed to like okay I'm gonna ask you these 10 questions and like we're not going off script no matter what you know she's just very fluid with the way that she thinks and she's there taking notes the entire time and just she's one of the most present people I've ever met in my entire life and I think that's a talent that a lot of people don't even understand anymore. And then she wants to understand the person. She's there with you. She's there for the ride, there for the experience. And I was just really mesmerized by that. And on top of the fact that she's just the most beautiful human alive. So she's got that going for her too. So she had just a lot of charming elements and we just hit it off. And um, one thing led to another and then we started dating. (laughs) That's amazing. I love it. Congratulations. Thank you seem you. so happy. You have a lightness in your in your step. <laughs> I'm I'm very lucky. It's been there's been a lot, but I, I yeah, I'm very very lucky to have her in my life. With all the comments that were flying around on social media and that still do in general about anything just because you're in the public eye, where do people get your message wrong? Or where do you think people uh, misunderstand hmm. you? Um I mean, I think people can misinterpret everything. I mean, they can misinterpret some really important message. They can misinterpret me saying something about my dog. You know, like I've just, it's gotten to the point where how can someone possibly fully understand what I'm trying to convey through a picture and through a couple of sentences, you know, and this is a platform that has been created that people are manically using that are using when they're in good moods and when they're using when they're in bad moods. And it's just, it, sometimes you get someone who totally understands your message and they're right there with you. And then you have moments where you get someone who's like clearly having a horrible day or a horrible life and, and you trigger them. And it's just, it's a minefield and you don't know what's going to trigger someone. It couldn't, it could possibly not even be what you say. It could be the way you look triggers them. And that's been something that frustrates them. So it's, if people misinterpret my message, I mean, A, I try to take responsibility to the extent that I will look at what I said and be like, could I have been more eloquent with what I'm trying to portray? Could I have delivered this message in a more concise concise way? But if I feel pretty confident about what I've said and I wouldn't change anything and people are still, you know, there's being nasty and then there's misinterpreting. And if someone's truly coming at me with like, I don't get it, please explain, I will happily explain to them. But if people are just being nasty because it's an easy way for them to to vent, I I pay them no attention. I just don't. You know, it'll hurt me for a second. It's like you feel the pain and then it's like, all right, you know, it's going to heal because otherwise it festers and it's so easy. You know, people will give you 100 compliments and one insult. And what do you remember? You remember the one single insult. And it's human nature. We're sensitive, little, crazy creatures 
But, you know, it's just like, okay, notice it and move on. Or if it's eating away at you that much, what is it showing in you that's something you haven't dealt with, like an insecurity you have about yourself? And maybe that just means it's time to renegotiate that a bit. For sure. And what would you say in general in life? What is your mission statement or your purpose or your your vision that you want to make sure that you are portraying? I think at this point in my life, if I'm staying really honest to the talents that I possess, the gifts that I've been given, is that I would like very much to use my gifts in a way to make people more comfortable with who they are and give them permission to do what they truly want to do with their lives. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. Thank you. It's, it, it feels like a good purpose to have at this point in, in life. So then if someone is like has no idea what they're doing in life and they're kind of reaching and pulling for whatever they want, I feel like that's more common than people that actually are clear on what their oh. purpose is. Completely. How, like, what would you tell someone like that who's just lost? They have no idea what they're passionate about. Right. Well, okay, here's the thing. You know, I'm not a life coach and I'm not trying to be a therapist. Yeah, like I'm really, and I have so much respect for people who are. That's amazing. And, you know, I am a yoga teacher who's been through a lot of experiences. So the best, I can't get up in front of someone and be like, here is what all the things are going to solve all your problems. And let me just give you every answer because that honestly, can I curse on this? Please. (laughs) It it irritates the fuck out of me because it's just like, I I really don't like it when someone stands in front of a crowd acting like they've got their shit together and they're there to like bless the audience with these gifts. That's going to fix everyone. Because like you said, most people don't have it together. Most people are like hurt and confused. And, and so I'm really interested in teachers and I try to do this myself as well, who are sharing their experience and don't have the answers, but they're like, Hey, maybe I can help you get closer to your truth, your answer, whatever it is by showing you what I'm going through. And these are the experiences that I've had. These are the lessons that I've been given. These are the takeaways that I have and perhaps is available to you. And that's why I'm trying to be open with this kind of transformational uh, phase of my life because I do see many, many, many people right now trying to reinvent themselves. And so I don't try to give people the answers specifically. I'm just offering exactly what I'm going through and what makes sense to me in hopes that that will somehow awaken something within them. That makes sense. Absolutely. And, and, you know, going back a little bit more to your own reinventing of yourself and, you know, altering your career a little bit, how, I mean, how does that work? Because I, you know, I look at things that I move through and, you know, no one's watching me like how they're watching you. And sometimes I'm terrified to even tell my family about stuff or to tell my friends about things I've changed or things I'm interested or this or that. And how, I mean, how do you how do you move through your days so gracefully with such a high level of being honest with who you are and what you're transitioning into? You know, um, we, one of our first guests that we're going to have on our podcast is Abby Wambach, the, the famous soccer player. And she said something, we were listening to it yesterday 
And she said something that rung so true to me. She was like, I am completely, she's like, probably to a bizarre level, unafraid to fall, unafraid to fail. And, and I mean, she's one of the best soccer players of all time. And having that mentality of being completely unafraid to fail, I do think is the ticket to being wildly successful at whatever it is that you want to do. Because in a community that is often consumed with perfectionists, we have this idea that to be good, to be successful at something, that everything has to look beautiful, that everything has to be eloquent, that everything has to be graceful, that all these connections are woven, choreographed together. And again, that's BS. You know, people who actually succeed at life fall down and try and they're like, I want to try this. And it's a total train wreck. And you're like, okay, that's not what I'm going to do. Go back to square one. I'm going to try this. Okay, that's not so good. But you have to have this, you know, effervescence, this desire to like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to fully go for it. I'm going to fully fall on my face or I'm going to fully succeed. Because when it's kind of that, you know, that like tiptoe, like I'm going to just like stick my toe in the water, you know, think of a little kitty cat where they're like testing their target with their paw before they like totally go for it. You just got to jump. You got to rah. And, and so that's kind of what I'm trying to do right now. I don't want to test the water as much as just like, okay, I want to create a podcast. All right, cool. I want to write this next book. Great. I want to create a show. Let's do it. You know, it's just go. And I mean, thank you for thinking that it looks graceful. Um, or I don't know if I should even be saying thank you, honestly, you know, it's, I I don't know. Social media is such a weird, funny place because like, yeah, it's much more likely that I'm going to post a picture of myself like, yay, we're having fun. Then I'm not going to post a picture of myself. Like I'm sitting here sobbing right now because I just had a fight with my girlfriend or I just, you know, it's like I, but that's my personality. Like I think that's oversharing and like if I put something on social media that I'm like, I think this is inspirational and I think this might be cool for people to see this. Great. doesn't mean that I'm lying, that I'm not sharing photos of myself sobbing. I'm just like, I don't really particularly feel like snapping a selfie when I'm losing my shit and then writing about it for, you know, I, I'd rather save those kind of emotions for my book and form it into as a writer, like something that I can offer. And like, here you go. Here's the story. Here's the package. So yeah, I know. That's I, so I, I, true. Can you imagine if we all posted images or posts when we were upset and crying? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or even worse, it's like, here's this beautiful picture of a butterfly. And then I'm going to like write this long rant about how horrible the day is. And it's like, but what does the butterfly have to do with that? I don't know. It's, it's just, it's a weird world. It's kind of like, if you didn't post it on social media, did it really happen? <laughs> you know, and I'm hoping that we're going to get back to I don't know, maybe 10 years or from now where being mysterious is cool. Like not sharing every single thing that you're doing is cool again. And then people will go back to having more sanity in their lives. <laughs> and I think there's this expectation that if you are on social media, that you do need to post all the great things that you're doing. Uh, right. Like so social media worthy, like get a picture of this. Like I had a group of friends over for dinner and they're all amazing, but I had a moment where I was like, this is just an SNL spoof waiting to happen because they've all got their phones out and they're doing the, you know, Instagram story. And there was a couple legit moments of talking to each other, but people were just holding up their phones and talking to each other. I was like, this is so creepy. This is so creepy. Like we never get to see each other and we're seeing it through the lens 
of a phone that's going to go onto an app that's telling the world, look at us, we're having so much fun, where it's like, or maybe we just have fun without our phones. You know, it's just, it's weird. It's so freaking weird. But then it's it's amazing and it connects people and it's it can be really fun too. So love, hate, love, hate, love, hate. <laughs> I would 100% agree with that. There's that balance, but it's great. But then it's also, there's the flip side to yeah. it for sure. Yeah. Comparison is something that you talk about a lot in your Aim True book. And mm-hmm. I love that so much because I think that it's a, such a human thing to fall into the bad graces of comparison. I believe it lends to feeling like you don't belong, like you're not good enough, you know, always this constant fear that you're missing out on something or that you're not doing enough because you look around and you see, oh, look what they're doing, look what they're doing, look what she's doing, look what he's doing. And then you stop and look at yourself and, and you end up judging and evaluating your own sequence in life. Mm-hmm. So tell me, you know, a moment when you were faced with one of these fears and how did you move your, how did you move yourself through these feelings? Uh, I, there were some people that I would compare myself to, uh, work-wise that, you know, I thought they were garnering more success than I was in moments where I felt like I had earned it and I couldn't understand why I wasn't getting the accolades while this other person was. And so it became this really gnarly comparison where it was unhealthy. You know, I was looking, looking at this person with distaste and I, I don't know if I wanted them to fail. I just wanted them to stop doing so well (laughs) and because it made me feel bad about myself And I let myself think that way for much longer than was necessary. And the only harm it caused was harm towards myself. It made me crazy. You know, it was that, that poison that you just suck on, on a daily basis. And, um, I don't know what my epiphany was. I don't know what my final wake up was. I think I just got tired of feeling bad all the time. And finally was like, look, you know, I've got to let that person take their path. And just because I don't, personally find them inspiring doesn't mean they're not inspiring a ton of people and why can't I let them just do them and I need to focus on me because I think when we're not fully secure where we are in our life it's easier to fixate on someone else and focus on why they have problems instead of looking in and understanding what we can work on to better ourselves it's just so much easier to do that and I I fell into that where I was like I'm not going to focus on me I'm great like I'm, I'm great (laughs) I <laughs> don't people just love this. And I wish I had taken the energy to really do the work on myself instead of just projecting it onto someone else. And that's why I think comparison is so horrible because it's just, uh, you know, it's preventing you from actually focusing on what's going to make lovely change in your life. And that's looking at yourself. That is so good. I love that you said all of that. <laughs> it's something so human that, you know, and again, too, you know, with me, how I see you, I'm, I've fallen into the category of look at Catherine Budig. She's so beautiful on Instagram and this and that and this and that. And then that's why, you know, I've got this like image of you, but I just love that you're this, you're just so human because what you, everything you just said is exactly, you know, the wholehearted truth to what my friends and I talk about. And we get sad about, we get upset about because we fall to the victim of, you know, fixating too much on what someone else is doing. 
Totally. The victim card is the easiest card to play. And in retrospect, so pathetic. Like, I just, I never want to play the victim card again. It's, mm, <laughs> it's just so bad. And, you know, I have to say that um, I gravitate naturally towards people like you who are open about, you know, like you're openly saying, oh, there's someone else that I was jealous of. And I gravitate towards that because it really softens my own judgment towards myself and mm-hmm. allows me to let those things go because I'm like, oh, Catherine Budig is also a human being as well. And she's got those same feelings that I'm afraid to have or I don't want to admit that I have these feelings. So I feel like I'm a bad person if I say I'm jealous of somebody else. Right, which is just such a human condition. I mean, every single – if someone said they've never been jealous of another person, I mean, I would check for their battery pack somewhere, you know. It's just – it's not possible. And so I don't think – I think it's important to give your emotions permission to live, but then you need to keep them in check too, where it's like, okay, I don't like this person. Why? You know, I'm jealous of them. Why? Acknowledge it. But then hopefully you can see the, what the trigger point is, where it's actually coming from and then move on. But we're all guilty of being jealous at some point in our life. It's just hopefully not the place that we choose to sit in permanently. For sure. That reminds me, and I cannot remember where I heard this, but you had, it was from social media or another interview, but you had talked about how when people say that they're fearless or they, they say that someone else is fearless, that it's just complete bullshit. Can you say more about that? (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I think that you hear that all the time, like learn how to become fearless. Like everyone, like that's the goal that you know, you're going to get so confident and so strong that you'll become fearless. And I just think fearlessness is a attainable, be not a good thing to try to reach for because fear ultimately, yes. I mean, you can definitely put it in that box of like, if you live in fear, it will prevent you from doing everything that you want to do. Totally agree with that. Fear can hold us back. It can dig our hole and it can keep us there with a cardboard box on top of us. Right. Or, Um, For example, yoga teachers talk to me all the time and they say, you know, Catherine, I'm so scared before every single class. And how do I get past that? I don't know how to move past the fear that I have every time I'm about to teach, to which I just say, don't use it. If you're scared every single time you teach, that means you care. Like fear is a sign that you're about to do something that is important. And so if I am lacking fear in my life, I'm getting dangerously becoming again. So I don't think of fear as something I don't want to be fearless. I I need that in my life to feel alive, to know I'm making the correct choices. I mean, even before I gave that talk that you were talking about, I was so fearful. You know, it was a brand new topic, big group of people, zero yoga involved. This was just me giving a talk and I was scared and it was ended up being powerful exactly what I needed to do and reminded me, okay, this is an important message that I need to continue to unravel. So I think that, you know, if you can wrangle your fear in an appropriate way, it's a fantastic reminder that you're on the right path. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Okay, so I wanted to move into uh, staple questions. These are questions that I've come up with that I'm just really interested about and curious about people in general. And so there are questions that I'll, that will be asked in every single interview and you can take 
as much time as you want to to, ask, to answer them, or you can do really short answers. It's up to you. Okay. So the first one, Catherine, is tell us a fun fact about you. My favorite book when I was growing up was Bram Stoker's Dracula. And we're talking maybe I was nine or ten, and it was the essential Dracula-annotated version that I read, I don't know, 10 times and it's, I still have it and it's in total tatters. And I just, I think it's a fun fact about me because what I'm trying to say is I was totally obsessed with vampires way before it was trendy. And I just want to stake my claim on that. (laughs) So bad. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. What about a pinch me moment? Oh, a pinch me moment. Recently, I was at one of the Super Bowl parties and I got to meet Ruby Rose. And that was a pinch me moment because she was just so, so beautiful, but so lovely. So, so, so earnest and kind. And it's always amazing when you meet someone that you're just used to seeing on the screen. And then they're this normal human who's absolutely fantastic. Describe a day in the life of you. <laughs> well, uh, a ideal day in the life of me is waking up without an alarm clock, and then. And what time would that be? If, you could, uh, if there's if, no if, alarm clock. Between eight and nine a.m. is really lovely for me, because Ashi will not let us sleep longer than that. She'll start to chirp. So then we take the dogs, walk them to one of our favorite coffee places, go get lattes. Continue to walk them. Hopefully it's a nice day. Come home, make a smoothie, probably do a little bit of work just to feel like I'm on top of my game. Uh, and then these days, it's just I really like being outside. Hopefully I get to see a couple of my friends, go to the grocery store, cook a phenomenal dinner so I can do some kind of recipe testing. And then kick back with Kate and watch one of our shows. It's really such a perfect day for us. What shows are you? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, and then she's been doing some yoga with me. So we'll do a yoga practice. So she's also been going to some uh, boxing classes with me as well. So we'll try to get in some kind of sweat session. Nice. And what shows are you watching right now? There's a new show on HBO, uh, Little Big Lies. I think I've heard of that. It's so good. So we're really enjoying that. And then Vampire Diaries is getting wrapped up. Which I'm, Vampires, of course. Of course. Um, I'm emotional about, yeah, but uh, Big Little Lies. And then we just wrapped up The Young Pope on HBO, too. And that show was fantastic. Nice. I'm always looking for the next series when I yeah. finish the current one. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> what is a guilty pleasure of yours? I, you know, I think that's such a funny question because... I, I try not to ever feel guilty about anything. You know, if I, if I'm going to do something, then I'm just going to commit to it because I don't believe in wasting my energy on feeling guilty. Um, but I, if I had to say I had a guilty pleasure, uh, eating New York city pizza, I freaking love the pizza here. And it's also amazing being in a city where you can just order anything you want. So a guilty pleasure would be staying in ordering pizza and again, watching the show. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I so think good. that your pizza, it, I'm in San Diego, so I think that your pizza is like our burrito. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I love burritos too. <laughs> and then my final question is, I love how this is inspired by Oprah. She always 
make statements of things that she knows for sure. So what is something that you know for sure? That I know for sure. I'm looking at my dog as I think about this question. Um, She's been so quiet this whole time. Yes, she's just been napping. She's on the sofa. Kiona's in her crate. Ashi's on the sofa. Uh, I know for sure that if I take the time to breathe, everything will always be okay. I know that's kind of a basic answer, but I'm thinking that as I look at Ashi because she has this ability uh, to sense my stress levels, my anxiety levels. So the second I get upset about anything, she beelines over to me. And I feel like it's her nonverbal way of trying to calm me down and making me realize it's not worth expending that kind of energy. So she's taught me that regardless of the situation, how upset I am, how stressed out I am, if I can just take a second to put away the victim card, take a couple deep breaths and really just step away from everything, then I'm okay. Then it's okay. Like everything is manageable. Absolutely everything is manageable. Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, thank you so much for doing this interview. Of course. It's it good means to the see world you. to me. <laughs> Take care. Bye. <laughs>